This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Hello, my name is Tom Craze and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Boxing Betting Show. Now, firstly, I'm going to start the podcast with a bit of an apology and that's for the fact that this episode is going to be a fair bit shorter than originally intended, um, as well as it coming to a little bit later than normal as well. Going into the start of the week, I had a really great guest lined up, um, all confirmed, and I was really looking forward to getting them on for you today. Unfortunately, though, despite confirming last weekend, um, the guest then dropped off the radar completely. Um, and despite my efforts to follow up and double check um, that we we're all still good for the interview, um, it was met with radio silence. Um, I'm sure, um, or at least would hope they have a good reason, um, but there you go. Now, that's my fault, really. Uh, I felt it was such a good guest that I didn't formulate a plan B, uh, and instead I held on, chasing and chasing, uh, until well, until I didn't get a delayed reply, uh, and until really it was too late to get an alternative. Now, it's not the first time it's happened, um, the joys of hosting a podcast, and it probably won't be the last, but I guess as the show keeps on growing, uh, and I keep reaching for more... Um, kind of, shall we say, ambitious bookings, and maybe it's something I have to watch out for. Uh, as a result, then, there is no guest this week, and it will just be me uh, with a mini preview, which I suppose is the calculated risk you take uh, as a listener every time you hit play. Demetrius Andrade versus Liam Williams from the Hard Rock Hotel in Florida, which, if you haven't seen it, is a giant hotel shaped like, uh, well, it's better, a guitar, is a genuinely interesting fight at middleweight. I think the general rule of thumb is that the more questions a fight raises, the better match the fight is, at least on paper going into it. And this has a lot of unanswered ones. Andrade, a two-weight world champion, has had a belt at middleweight for about two and a half years now. And it would probably be fair to say that he's a guy who polarises opinion. Some still believe he's one of the slickest, most avoided middleweights around. And others think he's a bit of a show pony, overly dull to watch and lacking a killer instinct. There's a bit of truth in both there, I think. It's also fair to say that his title run has been an underwhelming one. He hasn't got the big fights he'd have wanted. Saunders fell through twice, which is no fault of Andre to that one. And Canelo, Golovkin and co. haven't quite materialised either. That one is more Andre's doing, I think. And if he were more entertaining to watch and if his performances really warranted it, you'd think maybe that push would have taken place and he would have landed one of the bigger fish. As it is, his reign of terror reads like this. Walter Kalton-Dokwa decision, the fight with which he picked up the vacant belt. Akovov TKO 12, Sulecki UD, Luke Keeler TKO 9. It should be said that he won most of these without breaking much sweat. The Kalton-Dokwa fight ended up with ridiculous scores of 120-104, Akovov 120-107 across the board and so on. But the big criticism is that Andre is often too content to coast too busy admiring his own work. Now, I'll be honest here and say that I've always thought that Andrade has been guilty of fighting down to his opponent's level a bit. Similar to the criticism often levelled at Saunders, where the majority view seems to be that he just gets a bit bored or unexcited when it's not a proper test. The difference, I think, is that people sort of persist a bit with Saunders, where they've all but given up on Andrade for doing pretty much the same thing. However, the problem I'm now facing with my thinking that Andrade has always fought down, that he's got more to show, he's got kind of another gear to switch into, is that frankly I'm running out of credit to hold that view for much longer. What I really like about this fight then is that Liam Williams might be the exact guy 
for whom Andre really needs to show what he's all about, or that Williams is good enough, relentless enough to show us that the doubters about Andre were right all along. Looking at the odds then, where there's been a bit of jostling for position since the fight was first priced up back at the end of January. Andre then opened the 4-11 minus 275 favourite with Paddy Power Betfair, which is an implied probability of 73%. Williams was first made a 2-1 shot, or 33%. From there, we saw a tightening of the odds, with a drift on Andre's position as favourite and money in for Williams. By mid-March, he was into sub-2-1, this is Williams, at 7-4, so plus 175, with Andre peaking at best price of 4-9, or minus 225, or 69%. That was as close as it got though, and it's gradually been easing out again ever since. Um, Andre back to 4-11, and 1-3 by the start of April, which is pretty much where it's held firm ever since. Although the widest price you'll see in favour of Andre is now 2-7, minus 350, which is as firmly as he's been favoured in the near three months since the market was first made. The best price then on Andre is now 4 to 11, uh, as I said, um, but 3 to 10, 1 to 3, all available as well. Pitches him about uh, between a 73 and 77% favourite. For Williams, you can back the Welshman at 11 to 4, um, plus 275, that's with uh, Unibet, but 5 to 2, so plus 250, and 9 to 4, plus 225, available more generally, 29 to 31% implied probability on Williams. Now, as I touched on a few minutes ago, Andre has always split opinion, but I think this fight has done the same as well. Look, I think there are probably two opposing schools of thought that seem to be the most dominant from what I can make out, and see if you can recognise which one you're in, if any. The first school of thought is that Andre is simply too good for Williams. That he's the better technical boxer can't really be denied, not even by the most ardent Williams supporter, I would have thought. This argument goes that Andre is simply too smart to be drawn into the type of fight that would really suit Williams. That Andre has the ring IQ, the footwork and the temperament to stay out of trouble and box his way to what might be a wide decision. Not too many seem to be suggesting that Andre will get the stoppage, um, but that what we'll see instead is a case of levels and that Williams falls broadly in line with Andre's recent opposition. The second school of thought goes something like this, that Andre is a poser waiting to be exposed, that he's cruised along facing substandard opposition, and that Liam Williams is a very different kind of beast, a guy who's vastly improved since moving up to middleweight and has the power, the pressure, and the capability to really bully Andre. I think if you pause and reflect and see your own analysis as being firmly in either option one or two or A and B, then you might well be guilty of being a little bit too entrenched in that viewpoint that you're perhaps either taking a partisan opinion, possibly based on nationality, or to quote a great man, you're simply not looking at the whole pie. So here are some counter arguments to both. Those in the first camp equating Williams to Luke Keeler, Suletsky, Akabov. How much have you seen of Williams? I think there's certainly a large American contingent and I appreciate many of those won't be listening to the show, you're obviously much better informed than that, who are writing off Williams as another hapless challenger from across the pond. What's certainly true is that without kind of any deep analysis, you could forgive them for thinking that. 
British and Irish fighters have a really wretched record on the road in the US. And we've seen so many, say, in the past decade, make the trip and either be completely outclassed or just utterly wiped out. Is that a trend? Or is each fight its own completely isolated event involving different protagonists, different locations, and mostly different trainers, albeit with some slight overlap? Liam Williams, though, won't be thinking about the previous success rates of Brits and Irish on the road in the US, which is to say a very low one, and quite right too, but on that form line alone, would you be backing a British fighter, and not an elite one like a Tyson Fury, as a 30% underdog? I think that's a big question here, and the Andre backers will tell you that's a hard no. How likely is it then that the contingent writing off Williams will have seen everything that so many British fans now believe him to be? Smith Williams was a while ago now, and Williams looks a man reborn, if not a man possessed, at 160. Is the assessment based on either or both Smith fights? How likely is it that they've seen the demolitions of Alantes Fox, a shared opponent with Andrade who took in the distance, of Karim Akur, of Joe Mullinder, of Mark Heffron? None of them are on Andrade's level, of course, but all clearly showed Williams the middleweight rather than the fighter of 2017. Have they factored in the style and heat that Williams is going to bring? Unless he really lays an egg on Saturday night, Williams, you would have to think, isn't going to sit at mid-range and wait for things to open up. In his last few fights, we've seen a man looking pretty focused on getting the stoppage and really looking for it early too. How does Andre respond to an early bombardment from Williams, who might just be looking to catch him cold? Alontes Fox was thought to be a crafty, technical, rangy fighter, conveniently not all that dissimilar to Andre, and we saw what happened there. But what might be telling on this fight is this. I haven't seen many in the US at all really, saying that they fancy Williams. There are a lot of British observers who do, and I would be confident that the money that came in in the early stages of the market on Williams came from this side of the Atlantic. I have seen a mix of British fans either falling into Camp 1 or Camp 2, almost quietly acknowledging that Andre might just be too good, with the other camp saying that Williams will steamroll him. Make of that what you will. Back in mid-February, when just the outright prices were around, there was a tweet that I replied to, um, which was asking the question, what would be the expected price for a Williams KO at current prices? I replied saying, I think about three to one uh, with the Williams decision, you know, way out. Handley then, looking at the method of victory now, that is pretty much bang on where we've ended up. A Liam Williams stoppage is three to one, exactly with Skybet, uh, William Hill, Sporting Index and others. The best price on the Williams stoppage is, however, a little bigger, um, 7 to 2, so plus 350. And that's with Paddy Power, Betfair, Betvictor. And there's also 10 to 3, uh, and a short is 11 to 4 kicking around as well. In other words, that's between 22% and 27% implied probability that William gets an eighth stoppage in a row. The price on the Williams decision is indeed way out, um, and industry top price of 14 to 1 suggests less than a 7% chance of getting the decision on the road in Florida. To me, an Andre stoppage feels a little hard to imagine, but I guess there's a scenario where Williams kind of walks onto something rushing in. That is uh, 11 to 4, so plus 275. Um, in other words, an Andre stoppage is the same price as a Williams win outright. And as I see it, 
it's less than 27% likely that Andre'd stop Williams, so I'd have priced that much bigger. As a knock-on effect then, that potentially uh, creates an opportunity for Andre decision backers. If we're saying, or if I'm saying for the purposes of this argument, that I'd have the Andre KO much further out, then in turn the decision price should be much shorter than it is. Instead of being firmly odds on then, we've got uh, decision odds hovering around even money. Um, again, Paddy Power, Betfair offering the 50%, but 10 to 11, so minus 110, uh, 20 to 21, 5 to 6, all around as well. Is Andre a sort of crafty technician who's got 18 KOs from 29 wins and considered a 73% chance to win, only a 50% shot to win on the cards? I think that's the price that stands out to me as being the one that's potentially the most off here. I said uh, back in the same Twitter thread that I mentioned before that when Williams was 7-4 to four outright, I thought that price was too short. Um, now that he's drifted to 11-4, to four, it's still not doing it for me. That doesn't mean that it's the wrong price, of course. In fact, quite the opposite. I think it's pretty close to where I'd have it. Um, and I want a bit bigger here, knowing what we know about British away records in America, considering this is Florida, where Andre is also the house fighter. Um, if I was going to be backing Williams. I'm inclined to think that Williams needs a stoppage here. That's not to say that he won't get it, but if you're picking a fighter at middleweight who's very happy to kind of fiddle their way through 12 rounds, who's got the style to take a fight the distance, Demetrius Andre might be high on that list. All of which is to say, whenever you're looking at a fight that's got vocal support on either side, as this one does, as a better I think it's a very useful exercise to check where you're sitting on that. Much like in politics, if you're too far left or too far right, you're going to be left with blind spots and open to bias, intentional or otherwise, that you might have otherwise thought coming. The same is true for most betting analysis, I think, but rarely are outcomes completely black or white. And in boxing, it's never truer to say that it's a sport made up very much of shades of grey. The show will be back soon to break down the spring and early summer schedule as we start to pick up pace, particularly throughout May. If you are having a bet this weekend, please do remember to gamble responsibly. And until next time, thanks for listening.